how do you approach assessment in your language classroom? Is it about quizzes and tests on particular vocabulary and language structures, or do you focus on students demonstrating what they can actually do with the target language? Well, in this episode, I'm going to focus on integrated performance assessments. We usually just refer to these as IPAs. This type of assessment provides a chance to determine what students are actually able to do with the target language rather than just knowing about the language. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and thank you for being here and taking the time out of your week to listen to a podcast about language teaching. Yet another thing that you do that makes you an incredible educator. So thank you so much for doing that. So on this episode today, we are going to talk about assessment. This is an important topic when it comes to any kind of education, but it is a bit of a hot topic when it comes to language teaching and language learning because there are different ways of going about assessment. And we're specifically going to look at one of those ways of going about it today, and that is an integrated performance assessment, which is an IPA. And we'll get into specifically what that looks like, how do you go about it, what are the pros and cons of it, and make sure that you're ready to go with an action plan for trying it out in your classroom if it is new to you. And if you're already using them, hopefully you will just get that confirmation that you are on the right track and feeling great about it. And as always, I'm looking to know how you are using them in your classroom. So if you can share out on social media, whether that's on Twitter or Instagram and tag WL Classroom, uh, then we can learn from each other and collaborate and reshare from there. So always interested to know what you are doing as well in your classroom. So when it comes to assessment, this is a topic I've taken on a couple of times here on the podcast. And one of the places where I talked about it was when I did my whole series on the book Common Ground by Florencia Henshaw and Maris Hawkins. And in their book Common Ground, when they talked about this idea of assessment, they simplified it, which is what they did with a lot of topics in the book. But they simplified this idea of looking at assessment into three questions. So no matter what kind of assessment you're doing, if you ask yourself these three questions, then you're going to be on the right track. So the first question to ask is, is it measurable? Meaning, are there actual concrete outcomes that what you're asking students to do is something that you can concretely see, that they can concretely do, and that you can measure? And then the second question is, is it appropriate for the level? And that's all about text type and proficiency level. So are you actually creating assessments that are appropriate for the level? And then the third question is, is it reliable? 
So is it directly dependent on what they can do with the language? Is it something outside of that? So when it comes to looking at assessment and we look at Henshaw and Hawkins and what they say in Common Ground is just bring it down to these three simple questions, right? And ask yourself, is it measurable? Is it appropriate for the proficiency level? And is it reliable? And that's a good starting point when we're looking at this idea of assessment. Because we want to make sure that our instruction and our assessment are aligned in the classroom. Because sometimes the way we teach and the way we assess might not exactly be aligned because we are moving towards doing these IPAs, these integrated performance assessments, but we also have to somewhat make sure that our instruction, not even somewhat, but our instruction really has to be aligned with that as well. So if we are going to look at updating our assessments, we have to also backwards plan and make sure that our instruction is aligned with that assessment. So we don't want to keep doing things as we've always done them in terms of instruction and then change the assessment because then they're not aligned. It kind of makes sense. I just wanted to make sure that we pointed that out because we want to make sure that as well-intentioned teachers, if we want to move away from our more legacy approaches of the tests that are based on rules and vocabulary lists, that our actual instruction also moves away from that. And the same thing is if our instruction is moving more towards proficiency, then we want to make sure that our assessments are as well. So it's kind of like a chicken and the egg kind of thing, but we just want to make sure that our assessments and our instruction are in fact aligned. And back on episode 21, I spoke with Catherine Ritz and we talked about the five C's in the language classroom. And we talked about this idea of teachers sometimes trying to retrofit legacy practices into using the five C's. And so I keep thinking about that term of retrofitting because I see the same sort of concept here where teachers are embracing proficiency, but sometimes try to retrofit legacy assessment practices or sometimes, oh, okay, we're going to embrace more progressive proficiency-based assessment, but then we want to retrofit the way we've always taught into that. So I have certainly found myself in this situation as well. So before looking specifically at these assessments, I just thought it was important to give ourselves that reminder that the assessment and the instruction have to be aligned in order for it to work well. And that's really helpful in terms of backwards planning. Now, the other piece of assessment that came up in one of the episodes, this was back in episode 60 when I spoke to Tim Egan, and we talked about the idea of success criteria, and this has been really helpful in my classroom in terms of looking at assessment as well. And Tim spoke about leading a proficiency-focused language department and using this idea of success criteria. And this is, again, just like Henshaw and Hawkins were able to do with their three questions about assessment to make sure it's aligned. This idea of success criteria does the same thing. And it's four questions that you ask yourself. And the first one is, what is being learned? And then, why is it being learned? And then the third question is, how will I know it's been learned? And then the fourth question is, what will I do with what I learned? So using this idea of success criteria is going to help us move towards having assessments that are about what students can do with the language and not just what they know about the language. 
So I wanted to start with just a little bit of background on this idea of assessment. So we had the Henshaw-Hawkins way of looking about it, making sure that things are aligned, right, and that they're reliable. And we also want to make sure that our instruction is aligned with the assessments we're going to give. And then if we use this idea of success criteria, it'll help us to get there because we always want to end with what will students do with what they learned. And as we look at this idea of an integrated performance assessment, it actually answers that question, what will students do with what they learn? So what is an IPA, an integrated performance assessment? And I'll just refer to it as an IPA going forward because it's pretty long to say. So when we look at an IPA, it is a proficiency-based assessment. And within this type of assessment, there are three different parts to it. And the three different parts of this IPA are based on the communication modes, the three communication modes. So we have the interpretive, the interpersonal, and the presentational. So that is why it's called an integrated performance assessment, because we are integrating the modes. In a more legacy, more traditional ways of going about assessments, they have been separated. There's been something with writing, maybe something a little bit with listening, some reading, but with an IPA, we're actually integrating the interpretive, the interpersonal, and the presentational because they're all on one particular theme or content area. And we want to make sure that that theme that is being used throughout the assessment is aligned with the theme of the unit. And we want to create authentic situations, which means that we want to find authentic resources, culturally embedded resources that we use to have students take this assessment in all three of the modes. So I mentioned that there are three parts, so let's dive into these three different parts. So the first one is interpretive, and this is pretty much the order that typically you would go through with an IPA. You'd start with the interpretive, and that can be either reading or listening. If you have the time and the resources, you could perhaps do both, but you want to start with the interpretive, either reading or listening. And again, this is going to be based on an authentic resource or the theme that has been happening throughout the unit. And what you will see here is that this is not about specific lists of vocabulary or specific grammar topics or themes or structures, but they're going to be embedded in the communication modes. So we start with the interpretive, either reading or listening, and with this, students are going to listen or read an authentic text and then answer information as well in interpretive questions to assess their comprehension. So that's going to be the starting point. Students are going to have to show that they are able to interpret what they are reading or what they are listening to, because then you're going to move on to the other parts, so the other modes. So then we'll move on to the presentational, and this will be either presentational speaking or presentational writing. And this is where students will share their research or their opinions or their ideas in formats that are, I don't know, something like a speech or maybe a podcast or they'll write a blog post, they'll do something with a social media post, some form of writing or some form of speaking that's prepared, but it's going to be on that topic or theme that was in the reading or listening that they did in the interpretive section. 
And then the last one will be the interpersonal. So this is the spontaneous speaking. So in this part, students are going to engage in interpersonal oral communication about a particular topic, which is going to be related to the text that they used in the interpretive when they did the first section of the IPA. So you can see here that there are these three parts to this IPA. So you start with your interpretive, which is going to be based on an authentic text where students are reading or listening. And then they're going to show their understanding through some sort of questions uh, for comprehension in that section. Then moving on to presentational speaking or writing, where they are going to in some way, whether it's opinions, ideas, they're going to either write or speak in a prepared way on that topic from the interpretive. And then the interpersonal, they will take that a step further with spontaneous speaking, which will also be on that topic. So you can see that by the time they get to the end, they have engaged in all three modes of communication in this assessment. They have to use the vocabulary from the unit. They have to engage with the structures that have come throughout the unit on this topic, but it's not being quizzed explicitly or particularly on that list of vocabulary are on a particular grammar topic, but it's all going to be embedded as it goes through. So then what does an IPA actually look like in practice? So the first thing is try not to overcomplicate it. It seems like a bit of a process, but it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. You can try to keep it contained to a few pages, maybe one page, two-sided. It doesn't have to be very long. It can be in print or it can be digital. So it's not this idea of this incredibly long assessment. So you can actually just have it on a page or two digitally or something that you print out. So in terms of what it physically looks like for students, um, it's not going to be this six, seven page thing. It can actually be pretty contained to a couple of pages. And then when you're creating an IPA, so what is that going to look like? So the first thing we should do when we're creating this is it should be the very first thing that happens when we're doing a unit because when we're doing backwards planning, we should start with the assessment. So if you start with the assessment there, then you can make sure that all of your instruction is aligned with that, which is how we started at the beginning. So when you're creating an IPA, start first with your proficiency goal. So is this a novice high class? Is this an intermediate mid class? So if this is an intermediate mid class and they are able to speak and write in various time frames, then you want to focus on connected sentences, moving up towards paragraphs, multi-clause sentences in the present, some in the past. That's going to be your proficiency level. If they're intermediate low, it's probably going to be in the present time frame, maybe single discrete sentences, maybe some connected sentences. So that would be your proficiency level. If it's at the novice level and it's memorized chunks of language, then that's what we're focusing on. So we want to start with the proficiency level. And then look at can-do statements, whether you've created them for a particular unit or you're using actfulness is full can-do statements, you should choose your can-do statements. So those are going to be things such as I can identify, I can present, I can express, whatever those can-do statements are. So you have your proficiency level and you have your can-do statements. So once you have them, then you want to find some authentic resources. 
Now, sometimes finding authentic resources that fit exactly into a theme can be a little bit challenging, but just think about different formats that don't limit language, such as maybe print or audio ads, video clips, realia, even in textbooks that are actual authentic materials can be useful. But you want to have some sort of authentic material that the assessment will be based on. And then once you have that authentic material, then you want to create a scenario, something that's authentic and practical to real life. It's age appropriate, meaning that it's something that would be interesting to say your group of 14 year olds or your group of 12 year olds or your group of 16 year olds. So you started with your proficiency level and then you looked at your can do statements that you want to have for that particular unit. And then you find your authentic resource. And once you have that resource, you want to put a scenario around it. And once you have that scenario and your authentic resource, then you're going to go into creating the tasks. So you want to start with an interpretive task. So is that going to be reading or is that going to be listening? And that's going to depend on what the authentic resource is that you're using for the assessment. And then you want to create your presentational task. And again, you want to decide if that's going to be speaking or writing, which will again be based on whatever the authentic resource is you used for the interpretive section. And then create your interpersonal task, which is going to be spontaneous speaking. That again will be related to the theme or the topic in that authentic resource, which would then be mostly the topic for the entire unit. So each section should build on each other through the use of that authentic document. So that's why you want to start with the interpretive, where students are reading or listening and then showing their understanding, because then they're going to use that for the presentational part of the IPA, where they're speaking or writing in a prepared way, and then in the interpersonal with the spontaneous speaking. So follow it in that order. So you don't want to start with the interpersonal, because they don't have the text yet that they will be referring to to speak about. So do it in the order of of interpretive, presentational, and then the interpersonal. So when it comes to the assessment of an IPA, so how do we assess IPAs? So we are actually looking at how well students communicate and are they using conversation strategies? And we're looking at their comprehension and we're looking at their use of language in context with vocabulary and structures. So that is what we are assessing. We're assessing students' ability to communicate, to use conversation strategies, what they actually understand, and if they're able to use that vocabulary and those structures in context. So what we're not looking at in an IPA in terms of assessment is minor errors, spelling, verb forms, adjective agreement, if a language has different noun genders, there is a place for looking at these types of errors in spelling and adjective agreement and all of that. There is a place for that. It's just not in an IPA. An IPA is about using all of those to communicate in all the different modes. So the place for looking at spelling and verb forms and agreement and all that is in the more formative stages throughout the unit. 
if you're going to do more discrete point quizzes or something like that on grammar points or on spelling or uh, different types of vocabulary, do that as formative assessments throughout the unit. So it is going to be their mastery of those in those earlier stages of those discrete point areas that is going to allow them to be successful on this summative IPA assessment, where you're not going to focus on those individual discrete point areas. That's going to come up earlier in their formative assessments. But for the summative assessment, it comes down to what can you actually do with it? So if we look back at that idea of success criteria that we started with, that where we asked what is being learned, why is it being learned, how do I know I've learned it? What do I do with what I learned? So that what do I do with what I learned? That's essentially what we're looking at and what we're assessing when it comes to an IPA. So the idea of an IPA sounds really great. I know that and it is wonderful and I highly, highly recommend that you try them in your classroom. And there are some pros and cons to them. So let's just be transparent about these. Uh, in terms of the pros, they're very much supported by Actful and all of our state organizations because they are proficiency-based. And if you have a proficiency-based classroom, then the summative assessment should be based Based on proficiency because a an IPA shows what students can do with the language within the communication modes and the other pro about them is they can be used again you can use the different parts of the assessment for other units you can use it again next year so they're not a one-and-done type of assessment you can build on them and you can use them from year to year so that's sort of the the pro of them now, some of the cons or challenges or drawbacks of an IPA is that they do take time. They take more time to administer in the classroom. They might take two days rather than one day. And they also take time to put together because we have to look for those different authentic resources. That can be somewhat of a challenge. But what I would then recommend is that you try it out in phases, that you try it out not with all of the different communication modes right away, but don't start by doing a full-on IPA, but start by doing just the interpretive mode. So you get used to that, students get used to that. And then the next one, you can build on it by putting the presentational writing in addition to that. And then on a third unit or a fourth unit, then you'll put on the interpersonal speaking so that you're getting used to how to do it. Students are getting used to the methodology and how it's going to work and how to prepare for it. And the other challenge that students have if you're moving towards IPAs and moving away from more of the discrete point types of assessments is they're going to question, how do I study for this? Because they're going to be used to memorizing verb forms or lists of vocabulary or spelling or where accents go or what measure words are, all kinds of different things like that. But when it comes to being prepared for an integrated performance assessment, it's not particularly something you can study for because you are going to be listening to language in context. You're going to be speaking spontaneously. So it's a bit of a departure from what students are typically used to doing when it comes to assessments in a more traditional classroom. It's going to look a lot different than what assessments look like in their math classes, probably in their science classes 
classes. So they may be questioning, how do I study for this? And there isn't really a way to study for an IPA. It's about looking at how you've been engaging with the language throughout a unit, and now you're going to show what you're able to do with that. So it's more about staying engaged and involved throughout the unit that helps them be prepared for the IPA. So that's the answer to the question of, you know, how do I study for this? So as I said, try it out in phases so that each communication mode is honed in and you figure out how you can build on it. And then keep an eye out for all types of possible authentic resources. Because if you're within a unit and you're looking for a specific type of resource, authentic resource on a particular theme, it always happens that you're just not going to find it because you're looking, you're looking, you have your mindset on one particular thing you're looking for and you can't find the perfect one and then you go down this rabbit hole of Googling around. So what I would say is anything that could possibly be an authentic resource, take a picture of it, save it on your Google Drive, have a folder on your Google Drive where you just put all kinds of authentic resources in there. Whether or not you ever use it, don't worry about that, just put it all in there. And then when you are looking for authentic resources, go through there. Go through there and see if there's something in there that could be used for it. Because what's typically going to happen is you're going to come across really cool resources that you don't actually need right now. But that doesn't mean that you couldn't possibly use them in the future. And you might even find some authentic resources that are really cool. It might be an ad for something or a movie trailer. And you think, wow, that's great. And I'm going to create an entire unit around that. So sometimes it's all about finding that authentic resource. It just might not be the one you're looking for for that particular time. Quick recap with the IPAs that they are not about discrete point quizzes. They're not about looking at the lists of vocabulary and all that. It's about what students are able to do with the target language. And the integrated performance assessment has the three sections in the three communication modes. Start with the interpretive because that's going to be the authentic resource they're interpreting that they will use when they're doing the presentational mode, which would be in writing or prepared speaking in some way. And then they'll also use that for their interpersonal section where it's going to be more spontaneous speaking. Now that you have that idea, hopefully you can start out with one of the communication modes, really hone that in and then build on it from there. And just make sure that you keep that folder on your Google Drive or pictures on your phone, something like that of possible authentic resources that you can use as you're going through. The other thing to keep in mind is to start with your proficiency level. Always start with the proficiency level and your can-do statements, and then find your authentic document and start creating from there. And in backwards planning, it should be the first thing we do when we're planning out a unit. So I hope you have a solid idea of what IPAs are and how you can use them in your classroom. So try it out in stages and build on it from there so that it remains doable and accessible and not overwhelming. So be sure to check out the show notes where you will see a link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter. And in there, I have tips and resources for language teaching. And there's also a link to get in touch with me if you would like to work together, either in person in your school or remotely. 
Okay, I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.